Hello, hello, and welcome to the Rodeo Kids Podcast. I am your host, Camry Rorta, and we are so glad that you are here. If this is your first time, welcome. If you have been here before and come back for more, welcome back. We are thankful for you, and we appreciate you tuning in today. You matter, and you are important to us, because without you as listeners, we don't exist. So thank you for that, and we want to encourage you to hit that follow button or subscribe button and make sure to tell your friends about it. Because like we said, we don't exist if you're not here. Today we have Rodeo Kids team leader Madison Horde from Michigan interviewing quite a young lady. Josie Murphy has created a huge track record in a short amount of time. As a young lady, she is making waves and sharing what she does through clinics and lessons. So this young lady has a lot to offer and we have no doubt that you are going to learn a lot today. Before we get started, I do want to remind you that we have the Rodeo Kids Scholarship Fund. You can apply for a scholarship at www.rodeokids.com backslash scholarships. You must be attending a clinic, camp, lesson, or educational opportunity like a seminar or Um, something out of the blue. It can be something different too. We don't have specific things on exactly what that educational opportunity looks like, but it does have to be something that is in the near future. And it also needs to be something that we can send the money directly to the clinician, the coach, the teacher, or whoever is in charge of the clinic. How do you get selected? Well, each month, Rodeo Kids selects two recipients to receive the scholarship. In order to have your name in the hat, we do literally draw out of a hat, but first you have to fill out your application completely and correctly. Make sure you get that video submitted and those pictures put in there. If it is not correctly completed, then we do cancel that one and you will have to reapply. So make sure you get that done correctly. You have every month to apply. If you don't get your name drawn for that month, as long as your clinic date hasn't passed, then your name is still in the hat. So you do not have to reapply as long as it's still within the timeframe of your clinic. So make sure you also include that date. That goes back into the completely incorrectly. We're trying to build some life skills here, folks. So anyway, head on over to rodeokids.com backslash scholarships. If you are not somebody who is interested in a scholarship, but you are interested in supporting the Rodeo Kids Scholarship Fund, please head on over to rodeokids.com backslash support. We cannot do this all on our own as much as we try to. It does take a village to make this happen and we want to help these kids make it to the next level and to learn those lessons and to provide support for the parents because if you're from a rodeo family at all or a horse family or any kind of family that the parent gets to be the coach to, we know we can all use a little bit of extra support in that department, the coaching department. So that is what we're trying to do is offer that outside um, experience, coaching, knowledge to help us all get to the next level, take a little weight off the parents, help the kids get to the next level, have some fun, build their networks, build their character, build their faith in Jesus Christ, and help them achieve those gold buckle dreams. Okay, that's enough of that. Let's get started with this week's Rodeo Kids podcast with team leader Madison Horde and her guest, Josie Murphy. Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast, where we empower youth to be their best selves through the values and traditions of the rodeo and Western lifestyle. Hi, my name is Madison Horde, and I am on the Rodeo Kids leadership team. I am 
super thrilled that you could come talk to us today and tell us your story. So Josie Murphy, welcome to the Rodeo Kids podcast. So she is known for her amazing breakaway skills and clinics in the U.S. and also her amazing record-breaking catch at the Cheyenne Frontier Days in 2021. She was also the 2020 National High School Rodeo Breakaway Champion. And wow, that is just a very short list of all your accomplishments that you have made in your rodeo career so far. So we usually start these podcasts out from who you are, what is your story, and how you got into rodeo. From what I understand, you are a third generation cowgirl. So that kind of helps you get into rodeo easier, right? Yes, yes. Um, so I was born into it, you know, my family on my dad's side did it for generations and my uh my mother's side, they didn't rodeo but they had farmland and I was just I've loved horses, you know, ever since I was a baby and I just it's just something I always knew I wanted to do. So here I am. <laughs> How did you start your rodeo career? Well, my dad, you know, rodeoed and my mom rodeoed and I I loved horses. I loved being around them. And I just knew from a very young age that that was what I wanted to do. You know, I played basketball a little bit when I was going to school and that was good, but uh, it didn't, it didn't intrigue me like rodeo did. You know, to me, there's nothing like the Western industry. There's, you know, it's, it involves horses and you know, going to places and, you know, you just, you get to see so much and learn so much. I think it's a great opportunity, you know, so I really, really feel like rodeo is what I was born to do. Oh, yeah. Um, when did you high school rodeo? Uh, in the years of 2017 through 2020. Okay. Um, so being a third generation cowgirl, it seems like you've grown up and rodeo from a young age. Um, in my experience, I did not come from a rodeo family. I started rodeoing when I was 10, even though I've been riding since I could walk. Um, so what advice do you have for the kids that are not in rodeo, in a, not in a rodeo family that want to start rodeoing? Because I've known plenty of people in my high school rodeo that did not come from a rodeo fam background, and it was kind of hard for them to start rodeoing because they didn't know where to start. You know... I'm glad you brought that up because, I mean, I think that's something like in today's world that we come across a lot, you know, there's a lot of people who rodeo now and they did not come from a rodeo background. And I would, my advice to them would be, you know, if you, if it's something you really want to learn or if you think you're passionate about, you need to find, you need to start searching for somebody who does, somebody who does deal with horses somebody who rides ropes you know runs barrels whatever it might be and you know if they live 20 30 minutes from you go drive over there go watch them go learn you know maybe they'll let you on their horse and you can start riding and you know learning and but you know it's the one thing I've learned like not even just in the rodeo aspect of things but like in life is like if you want something you have to go get it you know nobody's gonna hand it to you and you know, like I said, you know, if something that you, you might really want to do, you know, you just, you got to do whatever it is, you know, to get you there. So if that means, you know, maybe driving 30, 45 minutes to go learn or, you know, watch somebody or listen to somebody, you know, get involved, you know, then that's probably what you have to do. And that would be my advice. 
I love that advice, Josie. And I also think on your, how you're talking about hard work, be willing to start from the ground up when you're going to those people's places. And if they're roping or tying goats or even running barrels, start asking questions, but don't expect um, just to be able to get on a horse and go because it does take a lot more of a relationship than basketball is you and a ball, which does take a relationship as well. It takes a set of skills and stuff, but it's not like dealing with another animal or multiple animals and a human with minds. And so learning, be willing to learn the basics and be prepared that it's not going to happen right away. Right. I, I totally agree. And that's just like I was telling the girls, you know, at the Michigan clinic, you know, like we're here to help you guys. If y'all have any questions, like, you know, don't be bashful or anything, you know, that's why we're here. We want to help. So, you know, the time being, you know, you might as well get as most, you know, the most you can out of it. So, you know, I just feel like that's a good start. Yeah. Just asking questions would be amazing. Like just to ask questions to anybody who knows what they're doing would be great. Cause then they, then they know that you're really interested, then they'll help you more. Right. Exactly. And I, you know, I've helped people over the years and they, they don't, they're shy and they don't want to ask questions when I'm in the middle of helping them. But, you know, when they leave, they, they text or call me like, well, what about this and this? And which is good. You know, I like, you can call me, text me whenever, but you know, at the same time we were there in the process of doing it, you know, you, you know, it would have just been a little bit more helpful. You asked it right then and I could have helped, you know, maybe on the dummy, have a goat or whatever, but you know. <laughs> yeah, because you're right there and that's really hands-on. Exactly. Who was your biggest supporter and how have they helped you through the years of rodeo? My family, hands down. I mean, the last three days, like, this is why, like, today I could only kind of do it in this certain time because we've been working on my trailer, my truck. I'm leaving today for the summer. I won't be back until September when I leave today. And so just trying to get everything ready to go and my family, oh my gosh, like they, you know, last year I was gone three and a half months and, you know, sometimes when it's, when you're not winning, like, you know, you need to be things, you know, money can get a little tight and my family, they, you know, help me out in any way they could. I mean, I don't, you look up to people like Larry D or Jackie Crawford, Martha Angelone. They're great people, but there's nothing like your family who has your back. Oh, yeah. Nothing like it. When you were in a winning streak, um, how did you not let that winning get in your head and, like, your mental game? You know, that that's something that you just – rodeo is so humbling. It's a very humbling sport, and you got to – take the good with the bad you gotta take your wins and just you know let let yourself feel good about it but you keep your head down and you just keep moving on you just keep going and then you don't let the you know the losses get to you you know get to your head and I really like to read I like to read mentality books in fact I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to that but I really think that it helps you know it honestly puts my mind at ease because sometimes I'll get a little wound up and I'll be like, oh, you know, just get a little nervous. But, you know, you got to remind yourself, it's like between you and that calf. You're not, I'm not competing against so-and-so or, you know, her or whatnot. It's me and that calf. And I, every time I'm going to go do the best I can on what I draw. So I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. It's just another practice run. And 
you to go have fun. Yeah. So what kind of books do you like to read? Like devotionals or? I really, I I do love reading Christian books, but The Mind Gym, really, I really, really like. Um, it talks about like baseball and golf. And I know it's it doesn't pertain to rodeo. You know, there's probably not going to be many mentality books that pertain to rodeo. Um, but that one you can kind of put into perspective and kind of relate to. Um, there's the heart of the champion. Now that one is about, um, Don, Deneen Taylor wrote it and she, she actually calf roped and breakaway roped in the WPRA back in the eighties or seventies. It was a while back. And, um, she, she talks about her journey along the way and how she struggled with mentality. And she wrote that book, you know, to help other girls today. And I think that's been a huge help too. So, um, I don't know. I just, I really think that mentality is 90% of our game today. You know, you have to be strong up here or else nothing else matters. If you don't believe in yourself, then it doesn't matter if you're the most athletic one out there. It's not, you know, it's not going to go your way unless you believe it. Yeah. Have you read uh, the book Golf Sacred Journey, Seven Days at the Lakes of Utopia? I have not. I have not. That one was one of my favorite books. And like you said, it's, it's not a golf book. It's not a rodeo book. It's about golf. But you can literally replace the word golf with rodeo. And it's just very relatable. And when it comes, I'm a big nerd too. And when it comes to reading books, um, I think the other thing that I learned about it is those books weren't written. They're not fiction. You know, those are all stories. Right. Just like you and just like me and just like everyone else went through. And you start to realize like, oh, I'm not alone. There's other people struggling with this too. And if they can get through it, I can get through it. Absolutely. I think that makes all the difference in the world. I know there's so many books out there that I don't think you can go really wrong with any of them because they all at the end of the story, they all get to the same point. But uh, I really like these, these books. I mean, like I said, you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't believe you're a champion, you're not going to be one, you know, and that's just, it's just part of it. You know, you just have to believe in yourself. Yeah. Because it is, it is a lot of mental because like, if you, if you're backing in the box and you don't have the best draw and you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm not going to catch. I'm not going to catch. I'm not good enough. Then, then you're probably not going to catch because you're just that. Exactly. Well, exactly. And you know, yeah, maybe you may not have the best calf. You may have the worst one, but if you're already talking like, "Oh, this is gonna be horrible," you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm not even gonna come near close catching this calf. Well, then you're already setting yourself up for failure. Yeah, exactly. When I did search your name, there is a big title that said Josie Murphy breaks arena record at the 125th anniversary Cheyenne Frontier Days in 2021 with a 3.36. I read some articles that before that run, you were kind of in a slump going into that rodeo. How did you feel when you backed in the box in Cheyenne? You know, it's really funny that you bring that up because it's it's not something that I talk about often because uh, I was I was struggling big time uh that that point in my life um and I in fact the horse I rode at Cheyenne was nowhere near ready to go my dad was so mad at me when I took her because she was young and she was green she wasn't my good horse or nothing and I was just like it 
I'm just going to do it because, I mean, I've got to change something up. And uh, when I backed in the box, uh, there was 200 girls entered. And I just told myself, he's like, you know what? I'm just going to go have fun. You know, I've been trying, you know, to make things work. I've been taking it seriously. That's not working. So maybe I, I just need to take a step back and relax and go have fun. And I I made a, a decent run in the um, first round and that qualified me to the purse. And then the purse is where I broke the arena record. And the same thing in the purse, I just backed in the box and I was thinking, you know, I'm not trying to go win this purse or break the arena record. That was totally not my goal it I just ended up getting a good start and broke the neck and it worked out but the point is when I was in that part of my life you know I was just like okay like just relax like this we're supposed to be we do this because we have fun you know we don't do this because we're forced to I think sometimes we get caught up in you know, wanting to win so much that we don't even realize like that we're very fortunate to get to do this. And uh, I think when I, when I step, step back and just had fun, I think that really made a difference, you know, in my roping actually. Yeah. Yeah. So I was in a slump for in breakaway for about this whole season. I would just like get caught up and was like, I just want to win. I just want to win. But then I was like, I'm not even having fun anymore. Cause I'm just, I was not having fun. So yeah. I was not catching at rodeos, but I was like perfect in the practice pen. A lot of it was my mental game and the pressure I put on myself to do good and to win. Um, so do you have anything that has helped you in the past getting over slumps and nerves? Absolutely. Um, the reading for sure helps. Um, also, if I'm fixing to walk in the box, if it's my turn and I'm walking in the box like in Fort Worth, you know, the most nerve-wracking place I, I may ever rope in, besides hopefully Las Vegas one day, is, was Houston this year. It was unbelievably loud, and the crowd was wild. And, I mean, it was just unreal. And I told myself, you know, what I was very nervous, don't get me wrong, but I, I just kept my head down, I prayed, and I was like, you know what, I know how to do this. You know, I'm not going to make a big deal. You know, this is just another rodeo. I'm just going to go have fun. I'm going to see my start. And I'm going to look at the calf's neck. And I'm going to rope his neck. And once you just, you zone out all the crowd, the white, I call it white noise. You know, all everything, the music, the crowd, the loud, everything. You just get rid of that. You zone that out and you just focus. You ride in the box, take a deep breath. And then you do your thing, you know, and then that really, that right there, when you focus on doing your job, what you do and how you know how to do it best, that's what really like gets you in the zone. That's what really sets you free. Yeah. I saw that you college rodeoed in Panola. What made you choose that college and how has that helped you become a better roper and or a horseman? So Panola College is in Carthage, Texas, which is only 30 minutes from me. It's just right across the line in Texas. Um, and Jeff Collins, he, he's made the he's made the NFR before, and he's man, he's a great guy. He just he wants to help people, and I love that school. It's not very big, but it's you know neat, clean, and everybody's super nice. It's a very very like Western um, environment, and Rodeoing for Panola, you know, I 
I ran barrels, team rope, breakaway, and high goats in college. And it's it's just, you know, you only have 10 rodeos. So the whole time, you know, you're on your you're trying to be on your best game because you don't have time to mess around because before you know it, some other girls be, you know, getting points ahead of you. And um, so I really think it's pushed me to, you know, just work harder and grind harder and, you know, really get after it because, uh, like I said, you know, if you're not really putting in that work or their time and effort, you know, it's not going to really work out in your favor. Um, but I love – I love Rodan for Panola. I love that college. And um, I'm going to go back there for a fourth year this coming fall. So I'm super excited about it. Oh, that's good. How did the professionals help you? Like, did that, like, push you to strive to do better? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, when you first start rodeoing against, you know, Jackie and all of them, you know, you think, wow, like, you might be a little intimidated. But I've grown up roping against Larry D and all them just because I'm, I'm from here and I went to all the you know the Joe Beaver opens you know I was just I was 11 12 years old when I was roping against them and so and at first yes I was intimidating because like oh my gosh Jackie Crawford Larry D it's all them you know they're all the big dogs but um that's also where your game plan comes in you don't worry about what they're doing you have to worry about you know what you're what you got to do you got to take care of your business you know and so um but definitely you're open against them and you you really do learn you watch you know when they when it's their turn you watch them rope or you know you may learn like new horsemanship skills or you know something that they did with their loop you know just it really does help it really does but um, as far as, you know, being intimidated, I think it all just boils down to, like, you know you're good, too, and you belong there. So. Yeah. I know when, like, someone sees another person as – when someone else is doing better than someone, they might think uh, them as a threat, and like, such as rodeo, and they will be kind of, like, rude and nasty to you to try to mess with your mental game. Has that ever happened to you? And if so, how did you handle your mental game after that? Um, it's probably happened to me a few times in my life. I I try to be nice to everybody, you know. Like I I don't want to be part of any drama. I I don't do that stuff, you know. I'm just you know I'll I'm gonna help anybody in any way I can. Um, but if somebody you know were to do that, I'm like mm, I don't worry about it because I got my own problems. You know, I'm not going to go and just, you know, linger on with their little game. Um, I just ignore it because to me it's not a threat. You know, to me that's just telling me they're scared of me or something. You know, I really don't think it's uh, – I just don't worry about it, you know. You want to kind of be nasty towards my face or something, well, that's that's fine. I'm not going to put any effort to lash back at you or anything. You know, I'm just going to – go my separate way yeah I think on that too you know like you said playing your own game and knowing that as you get older I don't think it's as prevalent because you get more mature you know girls are if you're if you're talking about girls specifically you know they can get pretty dramatic at your age Madison and I think once you get to the pro level and even the college level like there are some people who never do grow up but for the most part that will not last forever 
Um, no. And just clear no. of. Um, and also knowing that when people are doing that, you know, the word grace comes to mind um, for me. And when we read our devotionals, when we read the Bible, we don't know what's happening behind closed doors. It's causing them to act that way. Um, we don't know what they're going through, that they're feeling like they have to else down to bring themselves up. And rather than getting frustrated with people when they do stuff like that, no, it's not right. No, it's not acceptable. But saying a prayer for them and just walking away and saying, hey, that's yours to deal with, not mine. Um, I think that's one of the best ways that I've learned to handle with that myself is just, I don't know what's happening in your life. That's causing you to act like that. Um, but I sure hope that it'll get better here soon. I, I totally agree. You know, just, you never know what people are going through, you know, and sometimes, you know, and people aren't just going to walk up to, to you and tell you their personal life. And of course you're not going to ask. So you know, instead of just, you know, maybe if they are rude to you and you just, you know, getting right back in their face and then all of a sudden you two are going at it, instead of that, just, you know, just let it go. And like you said, say a prayer for them. And because they may be going through something very, you know, not so good, you know, in their personal life. And, uh, you know, you just never know. I think yeah. you just very important to exactly. be the best person you can be. Yes. Yeah, I think in those situations, just walking away when you need to walk away. But even when they say that, just say, hey, can I say a prayer for you? Like that could change their lives in that moment, um, whether it's rodeo or in any situation. Absolutely. Yeah, just like or hand them a prayer card. <laughs> yeah, just like try to shine positive and everybody. And that yes, ma'am. Yeah. Absolutely. Could not agree more. Yeah. So, going back to the uh, Shine Frontier days, change is really good. But why did you change to your younger horse for breakaway? Well, um, the horse that I actually won the high school finals on, uh, me and him were not jiving at the time. Um, he wasn't doing anything wrong at all. Um, I think it was mostly like my mentality just wasn't there. And uh, this mare, um, she was only, I think she was five or six. She was very young, too, too young to be at Cheyenne, to uh, be honest. <laughs> um, but I just went ahead and took her because I was like, when I say I was really in like a mental slump, it almost to me felt like I didn't even care. Like I definitely cared, you know, about roping at Cheyenne and, um, and whatnot, but uh, I took her just because I knew that the me and the bay horse were not getting along like we should. And I was like, you know, you know, maybe this is just, maybe this is just a little wake up call that, you know, maybe it's time for this young horse to start going or, you know, and, you know, maybe God was trying to tell me something. And, um, I actually drew out of Salt Lake city, Utah. Um, it was a WCRA days of 47 rodeo. And, um, because I was in a slump and I was going to turn out of Cheyenne and I had a friend call me and I think she was really a godsend because um nobody had told her that I was going to turn out she just randomly called me one day just to you know see how I was doing how everything was going and I told her I was thinking about turning it out and she was like I really don't think that's a good idea and she was like I, I just think you should go like I it just I know you're having you know kind of a rough time but I think you should just go 
And she's actually the one I give credit to for not letting me turn out of Cheyenne that year. So. Do you think um, when you changed to Young Horse, it was just to like have fun at Cheyenne because you knew that it wasn't a seasoned breakaway horse? Yes. Yes, I do. I think that I was just going up there because I really had nothing to lose. Is kind of what my thought on it was. You know, I wasn't roping very good. Uh, wasn't getting along with my horse. And, you know, I was just going up there because she talked me out of not turning out. And I was just going to go see if I could, you know, rope a couple cats. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the fun, when you tell yourself you're just going to have fun, that really, that really just changes your mental side of things. Because if it's just like winning, 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 it's, not really fun because what if you don't win and then you just like back yourself because you're not winning yeah the mentality of winning is when you when you do start winning and you're on a roll and whatnot well then you you kind of get the feeling that people start expecting you to win everywhere you go and that really messes with your head because then you feel like you have something to prove when it comes to people, you feel like you, you got to show him or her or so-and-so that, you know, I wrote this calf in 2-2 or whatnot. But the reality of it is, is it's just you and that calf. You know, you're not going to get a calf every time that allows you to be too flat or too five. You know, sometimes you're going to run really hard and you're going to have to go be three, five and live with, you know, placing six because it's just the way it is. Um, but the mentality of it is it all just, comes right back to playing your own game hands down yeah along with that um, I'm one of five kids and when we were younger she had us read this book called you can be happy no matter what and one of the the leading chapters and this has stuck with me forever it says 90 percent of the time when you think people are thinking about you they're not thinking about you at all yeah when you're back in the box it's like yeah they'll say your name again if you're on the leaderboard but otherwise they don't remember what you did that rodeo because they're worried about what they did. Not at all. And that's my dad has told me that so many times over my life. I mean, he's just told me, you know, you think that people are worried about you, you know, or thinking about like, oh my gosh, Josie Murphy's riding the box or whatnot. But honestly, like everybody has their own problems, you know. Sally's got her problems over here with a rope, and then so and so's not getting along with their horse and whatnot. So, you know, really like you think everybody's just all eyes are on you all the time. That's not true at all because everybody has got their own stuff going on. Yeah. You said that it was only like you and the calf and you already proved to yourself that you can rope super fast. So what do you have to prove to other people? And you do it in the practice pen, you know, you know, day in and day out. So just carry that over to the rodeo side, you know, and, I get it. I totally get, you know, the music, the crowd, your horse might get a little jittery. I get all that stuff. But you just have to remember that you belong there and, you know, that you are good enough and you broke good enough. Tie goes good enough. Um, it's, it's just mentality. You, you got the physical part down. You know you got that. You just got to go and just have fun. Yeah. So what would be your uh, favorite memory from 2022? Favorite ro- rodeo memory? Let's see. 
it's kind of a <laughs> it's kind of a funny one um <laughs> so i had to fly from salt lake city utah to salinas california and this was back in uh last july and our flight got delayed. We were supposed to leave at like 6 a.m. that morning, get to Salinas about 9, and the rodeo was going to start at 11. We had our horses sent out there, um, and we had some people, you know, taking care of them. So we were going to get their saddle and rope. Well, our flight got delayed two hours. So our flight left Salt Lake City at 8, and we got to Salinas at 10, 15-ish. Well, and the rodeo starts at 11, and it's an hour from the Los Angeles airport to Salinas. Oh, no. So we, <laughs> our friend comes and gets us, and I mean, we are, there's four of us. There's four girls, and we are first, second, third, and fourth out in the slack, and breakaway is first. It's before the steer wrestling, the team roping, the, the calf roping, and we were like, oh, my goodness, there's no way we are going to make this. Well, we get there. We Our flight, our plane lands. Then the door to the plane will not open for us to get across the catwalk. And we were like, oh, my gosh. Like, no, we're definitely not going to make it. And this took about 10, 15 minutes. And, I mean, all four of us are just standing. We, we get up ahead of everybody else, and we're standing right there waiting for them to open that door. Like, you don't understand. Like, we have somewhere we have to be. Because Salinas is one of the biggest rodeos of the year. Oh, yeah. And, um, and they finally get this door open. I mean, we just take off. We're, I mean, just running. We passed Martha Angelone. Martha Angelone's sitting in a chair right there. She'd already roped in Selena. She's fixing to get on that plane to go back somewhere. And we're like, hey, Martha, we just keep rolling. And we run down the stairs, and our ride sit, happened to be sitting right there. We hop in. We drive. I mean, we're going 90 the whole time. And we get to the arena, and we have no idea where we're at because we've never been here before. And we just get out. We're like, we got to go. Like, we're in our Western shirts. They have our, our friends saddle our horses, warm them up, have our ropes tied on, ready to go. And we get out in the highway, in the middle of traffic, and run across the highway, and we just run to the arena. Well, they ended up waiting on us for, like, five minutes. Like, just out of the gracious of the committee, they waited on us. And we <laughs> there's two arenas in Salinas. There's the roping big arena right here and there's kind of a lane where they run barrels right here well we ended up at the wrong end of the arena because we didn't know where we were and we ran through the barrel pattern like as they're waiting on everybody we run oh yeah right through the barrels of all the poor barrel racers in the way and i mean i was shaking when i got there i was like oh my god i can't believe we made it <laughs> oh my god uh, to top it all you know None of us didn't really do any good. Um, I made a good run on my second calf, but, you know, you got to catch two to um, make it back to the short go. And um, <laughs> it was just, I, I told several people, I said, I, until I am 90 years old, I will never forget that story. And that, I hope I never have to go through it again. <laughs> that is insane. It was, oh my goodness. And needless to say, like, we slept well with that. All right. We did. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh wow. So yeah. So why did you start teaching at clinics? I help the girls around here that live around me. Um when I'm home, like during the fall, 
is a really good time during the fall and so part of the winter is a really good time to come. Um, but I, I really believe like I have a gift at helping people. Like I know if I were to help somebody, first of all, I just love people. I love helping and doing what I can. And I really think I have this gift of like the way I come across things, the way I can say things to people makes sense. It, you know, I can joke around, I can be funny, you know, I can make them feel good about it. You know, it's not just a job because you don't want somebody who's learning how to rope or tie goats to make it feel like a job or else you're just going to ruin it for them. Yeah. So, I mean, I always crack jokes and I'm like, you, you know, I just help them laugh and whatnot, but I know I can come across things that the way that they can understand. Yeah. Yeah. Because like my um breakaway coach, whenever I have like a bad day and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm terrible. He'll just crack a joke and I laugh and I'm like, what the heck? But it just, it helps. Yeah. Yeah, and I know I like it's just it's honestly part of part of you is like trying to just I think they like try to tell you that because they want you to have fun. They don't want you to make it feel like it's a job that you have to do. And like Martha Angela, Martha's told me before she's like, You'll see me like cracking jokes and whatnot, you know, right before I ride in the box because she don't really want to think about getting too nervous about her run like she is fixing to walk in the box and run a calf and she's over here talking about ice cream or something like she's just like just to keep her mind off of you know it's just stuff like that you know <laughs> hmm. um so what do you usually do at your uh, breakaway clinic like what's your like I don't know how to say this like step-by-step routine like do you like rope the calf or like rope the dummy first and then go on to like live calves or yeah, so like the clinic at Michigan, um, I believe there's 24 girls, and there was my brother had the tie down. I think there was eight tie down over. So we had three breakaway dummies, um, and we set them like all in front of each other. And it's me, and my dad, right here. So we could watch, we could multitask and watch the three groups at the same time. So we had eight on each, and we start out the dummy. And the first day we probably wrote the dummy for I bet two hours, just because we wanted to like get to know everybody we wanted to see how to break things down for everybody you know get to get in their minds like you know what what makes you do this or you know why do you do that and sometimes it took a little longer you know to kind of break some bad habits which is totally normal yeah. but you've got you have to learn to do it correctly on the dummy first before we can even move to like the sled dummy or live cattle yeah, all the Michigan girls said that they they loved your clinic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad they're y'all group, great group of girls. We we really enjoyed being there. Yeah, I, I was so sad I couldn't make it. I had a cutting that that weekend. I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, but um, I yeah, it's a uh, we so we wrote this the dummies on the ground first for probably two hours the first day and then um, the sled dummy for probably an hour and a half and then we would track it and they would rope it and then after that um we would they would rope the sled dummy coming out of the box uh and then when we thought that everybody was kind of good and ready to move on to live cattle then we ran some ran some live calves do you usually do um a clinic with you and your brother or was that like a first uh, 
Yes. Uh, so we have a Thanksgiving clinic down here. The Judas came down here last Thanksgiving. Yeah. And uh, me, my brother, my dad uh, did the breakaway. And then Stacy Martin, um, she's my goat tying trainer. She lives over here. She did the goat tying. And um, it was it was a really good clinic. Uh, I'm sure, I think next year, I'm sure we'll do a Thanksgiving one. We'd like to come back to Michigan next year. You guys are so nice and so welcoming. We really loved we're having y'all and working with y'all so um, yeah so um how many clinics do you do on average every year oh not many um uh, just because it's hard for us to fit it in during spring definitely summer won't work um fall the fall time is about our best time uh, just because things kind of start slowing down a little bit um, and the weather's pretty nice. So uh, it's not many, but the, the few clinics that we do have, um, we get quite a few people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Clinics really help because it's just like just you and that person. And like, just when I talked to like a professional or something, I was like, wow, like you listen, like really good. And I, I asked so many questions because they're not there for like your life. <laughs> They're like right. there for like two days, but I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I I help girls like all you know, during like the fall and part of the winter. They'll come and rope, you know. And we'll start on the dummy or you know, if and if they are just starting to learn, then we just rope the dummy for an hour, you know. And then but if they know how to rope off of horses and we'll just go straight to the cattle you know because maybe they don't really need like training training they just need a tune-up you know just a little uh they just need to be tweaked a little yeah do you have any tips on like how to balance better um the roping and the dummy on, on a horse or on the on foot well both i guess and like keeping your core strong too um, I know that, so this was one thing, uh, that I noticed at the clinic in Michigan, all the girls on the dummy, uh, on the ground, when they would rope, they would stand flat footed, like their feet would be right here. And when they throw the rope, they don't move. And that was very odd to me because I've seen people do, but I've never seen so many people at one time do it. And that's what I told the girls and they got the biggest laugh out of it. And I said, um, I, I know why you stand flat-footed because you want to pretend like you're on a horse. I get that. But at the same time, it is very hard to deliver your rope like that, staying flat-footed, because if you're a baseball player, baseball players don't throw – the pitcher doesn't throw the ball flat-footed, you know, with two feet. You know, they get, get back and take a step. And that's the same thing with breakaway. You have to have power in your arm. So when I deliver my rope, I go forward. I take a step forward. But you really – core – Leaving the box, um, I really, like, try to, like, I don't know, I guess suck in my abs. Mm -hmm. And when I leave the box, my horse takes his first stride. I go with my horse. And that is the best tip to get you to the front of your saddle. I kind of like to tuck my toes in a little bit further in my stirrups because yeah. it pushes me to the front. Yeah. Um, but that right there, if you, if, you're, if you don't have, like, if you're not really sucking in your abs – uh, then you're not going to really be able to balance. Like you actually have to like 
hold in, you know, your core. Yeah. My breakaway coach says to um, point your toes downwards because that's what all the rough stock do to just like help you just stay in the saddle right there. Yes, I agree. Um, thank you so much for being on the Rodeo Kids podcast. Um, do you have any more advice that you would like to share with us before we end this? Well, you know, anybody out there who's wanting to learn or, you know, get involved or just even needs, you know, like just to hear somebody, you know, whatever you're having problems with, um, you know, you're not the only one having problems. And, you know, this is fun. You know, the rodeo way of life, the Western industry is such a great, neat thing because we are so lucky to be able to do this. I mean, have horses and go to places every weekend. You know, I sometimes like if it rains, it rains and there's nothing to do outside. I'm just kind of stuck in the house or something. I'm like, like, oh, my gosh, this could have been me. You know, I could have lived in a tiny old neighborhood, you know, not with nothing to do at all. You know, but no, I have, you know, I get to go to places and see things. And, you know, I think that's there's nothing like it. Yeah. I really don't think anything like rodeo. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really enjoyed yes. it. Yes. Thanks, Josie. Good luck. <laughs> thank y'all so much. Thank y'all for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey, hey, thank you guys for tuning into the Rodeo Kids podcast today. And we have some exciting news for those of you who decided to stay on just a little bit longer. Rodeo Kids will be going back to the NFR this year, bigger, better, and bolder. We are super excited for this year's opportunity with Vegas Toughest. We will be having a booth there where youth will be able to do goaty goat tying, dummy matches, roping matches, and fun little groundwork things. We have Dr. Andy Wolf joining us who will be doing morning warm-ups and workouts for kids to get their minds and their bodies ready for competition that day. Trust me, he won't make you sore before you compete, but he will get those muscles firing so you are ready to go make those gold buckle runs. We will also have Bailey Cooper with Rural Health Education joining us in the Rodeo Kids Vegas Toughest Arena, and she will be doing cooking classes and demonstrations on ways to stay fueled, ways to use your food to keep your anxiety and nervousness down. We'll be doing some little cooking demonstrations of ways that you can Pack your trailer and awesome little snacks to throw in uh, to keep yourself fueled and, and energized. So again, you can chase those gold buckle dreams to the best of your ability. Keeping your body and mind energized and fueled, it's so important. And then Rodeo Kids will be there with mental game tricks and jackpots and fun little things. We'll have kids in there running the booth and it will be awesome. We will be giving away some awesome prizes, scholarships, and other cool things. And more will be unfolding as the year goes on and we get more invested and uh, a schedule put together for what that's going to look like. So we just want you to know that we will be at the Las Vegas Expo Center during the Vegas Toughest Rodeo for all the kids coming out to Vegas. We're gonna be a safe place for them to be, to hang out, to have some fun, and to learn while they're there. And 
have some awesome opportunities in the process. So check us out, Las Vegas Expo Center at the Vegas Toughest during the Las Vegas NFR December 7th through the 15th. Thank you, thank you again, and as always, good luck, safe travels, and God bless while chasing those gold buckle dreams.